Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today, we are super, super excited to have Carrie Hummingbird on Sense of Soul. Why are we excited? For so many reasons. First of all, she is a soul survivor. She was abused as a young child, suffered mental illness, and at one point was self-sabotaging. Then, as she says, there was a spark of Carrie Hummingbird. She went on a journey and reinvented herself. She has a podcast called The Soul Nectar Show, a beautiful website, an abundance of spiritual life experiences, and is certified in energy medicine, empowerment, and fire walking. She is a warrior goddess facilitator, spiritual coach. She's a soul guide. She is a speaker. And on, on top of all that, she is a mother. And guess what? That's not it. She is also an author of many books. And today we will be talking about her new book, The Second Wave which was an international bestseller. Holy crap, we are so blessed to share the space with you today. Welcome, Carrie. Mandy, you are a gift. That was so beautiful. I feel really special. <laughs> so cool. You really are really special. And that is definitely one thing I took away from your book. I was like, wow, I feel truly honored to have been connected with you. Well, as soon as I met you ladies, I was like, soul sisters. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I have to jump in and ask you, Paramount and Firewalker, what the heck? Explain that because that's awesome. Yeah, that was really one of my early steps on my spiritual journey of awakening. I'd been at this for maybe like a year. I left my marriage and then I was in this other program learning about shamanism. And then I went to this conference at the Unity Church and it was about, you know, some, some of this more stuff like be the change and really love yourself and stuff like that. And I was trying to figure that out. So I went to this and I, I met Heather Ashamara, who became one of my mentors for about six years. And uh, she does the warrior goddess training work out there in the world. She also introduced me to firewalking. And firewalking is so freaking powerful. You guys have probably heard of Tony Robbins and he does the firewalking. But this is really different because he's a man, you know, and there's nothing wrong with men. I love men, but they do mm -hmm. things different. Heather Ash really taught us how to embrace the feminine and the spiritual side and the feeling sense and that expanded place of connection with our bodies, which shamanism is all about, you know, connecting and experiencing it with your feelings and your senses and, and opening to spirit in an experiential personal journey. And it's not like step one, step two, step three, or rah, 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 or any of that. It's like feeling the fire and knowing when it's time. That was my first experience with her guiding me that way. And it was a whole group and I was terrified to walk across the fire. I didn't think I could do it. And then my body just went and it was so amazing that I had never stopped. I just like, had to figure out how to do it myself. So I leave firewalks now. And it's one of the most magical things to introduce people to. So the thing is, like, we all are taught that fire burns and it's bad. And that basic agreement, when we're, like, really young, there's a whole lot of other agreements off of that that go on top of that. So when you dismantle an early agreement like that, when you walk across the fire, you realize, I don't combust into flames. My feet don't burn off into little stumps. Like I actually am fine at the other side. And not yeah. only that, but I feel good. Then yeah. everything else you believe starts to go poof. Like, I don't even know if I can believe it. For 20 years, you worked in Silicon Valley, correct? Yeah, I worked in Silicon Valley. 
in a very dry technical job for technology startup companies and worked many hours at a computer (laughs) and interacted with engineers who are lovely human beings, I'm sure, outside work (laughs) and some of them at work. But I made a lot of friends too, I'm joking. It is a hard thing, you know, it's a very dry technical space and really a space that you find your heart in usually. So So then on this journey and this shift in your life to go from something like that to being a spiritual coach, what was that spark? The midway step was that I I found passion in my art and I wanted to express myself and I wanted to express the beauty that I saw in nature and the beauty I saw in the world. And so I tried to lead this organization called Silicon Valley Open Studios for a while to teach everybody about love and art and beauty and all of this. And it was very challenging. And so after dedicating myself to that for three years and finding that a lot of people in Silicon Valley care a lot more about like their Lexus and what (laughs) they live in and the technology than beauty, I got very discouraged. And, you know, my husband and I were down like, I don't know, about 30 grand from me working for this nonprofit, which was having a hard time convincing people of the beauty of things. And I moved, I left, I I went to Texas to be close to my parents. And then that's when SHIT hit the fan. (laughs) I was in all my patterns with my partner at the time. And then I moved and I was in all the patterns with my family and my parents. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. (laughs) With my kids, with a huge failure. Like I saw it as a failure, not being able to do this thing in Silicon Valley. It was like destitute. So I started to try to pick myself up again. And I was doing this other creative business and trying to get my spark back, my passion back after that failure. Then things just got really dark. A spiritual awakening, you know, you get that shadowy version, that shadow journey. Oh, yeah. Where everything falls apart. Dark and lonely. You don't have any self-confidence anymore. And you're like, I don't even think I'm worthy of anything. You don't know if you can trust what you're feeling. Yeah. Where you just feel like, why am I even here? Like, what's the point? What's the purpose? Yeah. Everything's so shallow too, you know. I got to the point where I just didn't even know if I wanted to be on earth anymore. Oh, I got there a bunch of times. (laughs) Yeah. And somehow I got through each one of those moments, but it was not easy. Yeah. It's almost like the world strips you and then you become just this soul that's all you got left because all the rest of it that you thought was true that the world had pumped you up for wasn't and now all you have left is your soul which is actually an amazing place to be if you look at it that way but had you always had some spiritual connections in the past like when you were younger I did read in your book about an amazing 2020 prediction or premonition Was that a rare occurrence or had you always had some intuitive thoughts? You know, these things would happen to me, but I didn't have anybody in my life that would validate any of that. So I didn't really know that it was unusual. I just thought that everybody had things like that. (laughs) that So tell us about the name of your book. I think that explaining that will really help our listeners get into what it's about. Yeah. So the book is called The Second Wave transcending the human drama. Mm -hmm. And so I was heavily immersed in the human drama, as we've talked about, (laughs) and having glimmers of meaning and glimmers of beauty and glimmers of like something more meaningful and profound and deep and in my art and things like that. And then in an environment that really was like, no, we don't really value that at all. And it really took me getting to rock bottom and 
all those suicidal ideations and all of that in the darkness and the depth to realize like, if I don't do something, I'm not going to be here for my kids. That's really what motivated me. If I don't find a way to heal, and it's not like I hadn't been trying. I was in psychotherapy for 20 years trying to fix this every week. It's not that I didn't try using the methods they gave me. It just didn't work. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really until I hit that rock bottom, I got a spirit vision. It was so profound because I knew what it meant. And not only that, but I'd heard that message so many times throughout my life. Like, well, that's the end of the rope. Well, oh, that's the end of the, you know, so I don't know why that came to me as a phrase, but I think my soul planted it along the way. Like, so I knew when I heard that and I saw this big ship's rope, like knotted, you know, when you anchor to the dock and I was like, I was holding it and then it just went poof. And I was like, that's the end of the rope. When I saw that vision, I knew I got to leave. I have to leave and I've got something else is going to happen. I don't know what it is. There's something better. I've got to follow it. My heart is telling me, I know I can't stay where I am. These nightmares at night and all this stuff is not working. So I just need to go. So I stopped the psychotherapy. I left my husband. I went out on this journey. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I was like, I hope I can support myself because I hadn't been working full time for a long time, right? So I hope I can support myself. So I did. I got a place. I called my clients and I said, okay, I need more work because I'm going out on my own and I need help right now. Then I started with the spiritual path six months later. So that was the opening of the spark Mandy was asking about is like these moments of like, I have this vision. I have this knowing I'm going to follow that. And then the next piece and then the next piece. It really is a process, you know, to claiming that unless you have a radical thing like you ladies have experienced, it's like, it is a process for me is what I experienced. It's a risk and you did it. So congratulations because you're definitely in a wonderful place. Your book is very inspiring. Last year, uh, in 2019 in February, I got this message. You're going to write it. You're going to channel a book. And I said, okay, sure. What's it called? The second wave. And I said, I don't know anything about that. What the heck is that? So I said, I don't know what that is. So I was like, all right. So then in the back of my mind, I got reminded, oh, you've seen Dolores Cannon has a video. Go look up Dolores Cannon and look up the waves of volunteers. And I was like, okay. So I went and watched a little clip she had, a video. And I was like, oh, that's right. Okay. I do remember that. But I didn't know I was part of it. So I started channeling the book without looking at anything else because that's how I do it. I just open. And my understanding of the second wave, what came through the book for me to share is that all this stuff that I described, like all the hardness, all of the challenges, all the, why am I in this place? I don't even know why I'm here. Things are so challenging and hard and I don't seem to fit in and I don't, nobody gets me and why can't they see what I see? All of that stuff is actually part of it. So it's like there's volunteers that came to the planet knowing that it was time for humanity to wake up. These volunteers, like us and other people who feel called that this is them too, came here to be part of this awakening. And the only way to share anything with anybody is by experiencing it. We cannot help another person unless we understand it from the inside out. Not only that, but we got so much history on this planet of ancestral patterns that just keep getting passed generation to generation to generation to generation because these things are really hard and challenging and dense and sticky. People aren't forgiving and releasing it before they die. So now it gets passed on through the DNA to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so somebody had to come in and break this up in order for humanity to progress. Some souls able to do it had to come in and say, I claim responsibility. 
And so the second wave, that's who we are. We said, yes, we claim responsibility. We will be the ones that come in. We will disrupt the patterns. We will heal it from the inside out. We'll say, that's mine and we'll do it. And that's exactly what we've been doing this whole time. And so anybody, if you're in the second wave, you've had a really challenging time. Your family doesn't seem to get it. You're probably the only one that does. And not only that, but like things have been really hard and you have this like insatiable pursuit of personal growth. I know I've been chosen to do that for my ancestors. It wasn't something I seeked. It just happened. And I just always wondered why me, but then looking back I'm the only one in my family who is open enough to be able to receive that. Exactly. Because let's face it, when you come to earth, we have earth amnesia. The whole point of being here really is to find your way back to love, right? You come in here and that's why people get so stuck because if they're newer at this or they haven't learned these soul lessons yet, it's really challenging to to get back to love. And so we're just like, they're all just stuck with all the karma and the karma is like really heavy and dense and stick and it just like twines everybody together. So in order to disrupt this, we needed to have souls that were more experienced with programming human consciousness, like reprogramming things. And we had to never lose that knowing inside of love. Like we had to always hold that and know this is not as loving as it could be. Like there is a better possibility here and to have that keeps us going. Mm, That's awesome. So I just want to wrap my head around this really fast to clarify. So karma can be passed up from your ancestors. Oh yeah. So like the asshole in my family who went and chopped off like William Wallace's head and hung it on the London Bridge, his karma for him being such a jerk his whole life could be passed up through DNA into all the lives after him. Yes, it's passed down until it's healed. That's seven Mm -hmm. generations forward and seven back. So the healing and the karma goes both ways, right? So as we do good work and we do good, you know, like good is kind of a label. But as we, as we do, as we heal things and we learn and we grow, all the wisdom, all of the activations, all of the soul wisdom we claim for ourselves, that ripples forward and back down the line, seven generations, forward and wow. back. Where did you get seven? Did your guides give you that? It's an indigenous teaching. So okay. indigenous people are the really beautiful medicine keepers for the wisdom that is being reawakened on the planet at this time. The ones that have kept the medicine alive during this whole really interesting journey of being mind-centered and thinking God is out there instead of in here. This has been a really interesting journey of separation and all the things that go along with that. The indigenous people have kept the wisdom alive while we've all planetarily gone through this phase. Yeah. Can you inherit their behaviors, their thoughts, um, their karma? Like what else? Everything is inherited. So their whole life journey is inherited. And so the gifts of it, the wisdom, the blessings, the powers, everything, including, you know, the karma, the negative side, the, the patterns of suffering, like everybody has witnessed where in a family where there's addiction, then the addiction is passed down. But notice how it doesn't go down to every single child. So like it's either turned on or turned off in the DNA. That has to do with your life plan. So when a soul is choosing to incarnate on earth and choosing to have an incarnation, that soul actually has goals of its own, right? So it has its own things it wants to learn. So then we'll incarnate into a family line that has those patterns present so that we can embody those patterns through the ancestry and then learn those lessons firsthand through our own bodies and our family line. You know, now we have human design. So we're starting to awaken some of the tools to seeing the greater picture 
so that we can really be enjoying this process rather than hating this process. It'll give us more insight so that we know like, oh, this was my soul's curriculum. This is what I came in to learn. And this particular ancestry is helping me to claim those gifts. Mm, I love that. So isn't it just as important to go back and honor and celebrate the good that you see in your ancestry too and to give thanks to them? Well, and also to let them support you because this whole idea that we have of time is kind of BS. Like it's an illusion. It's only here in the material world. So once you realize that you become like what Alberto Vialdo calls like the timekeeper, you can become like this master of time. That's what the indigenous people are doing. They know how to be masters of time. They know that time is all happening at once. So like the time of Christ is happening right now. You know, like everything is happening now, even though it happened in, the, in our linear time frame, like way back then, it's happening now. So when you realize that, you can start to shape and shift and mold things. You know, you can bring honoring to your ancestors and you can bring honoring to past lives you had, which might be in the same ancestral line. So some people get confused there because there's other soul lifetimes, which might be in different ancestral lines. And then there's also soul lifetimes you've had in the particular ancestral line. So you can have like all of this overlapping and then you can be bringing healing to your ancestors, you can bring healing to your past soul selves, you can bring healing to your children. As a mom, how many times you screw up? So many times, right? You see it ripple out in your child's life because you just see it. You're like, oh man, I should have never done that thing. And there's the thing and you see the pattern rippling out. Like, why did I teach them that by my behavior? Dang it. So you can actually notice that as, and you can, in a very respectful, honoring way, you can go back in your own self, your own remembrance of it, you can go back in time and heal your own self's remembrance of that thing. And then that might actually ripple forward and help your child now. Mm -hmm. But in order to really be respectful of your child's journey, because they did choose a soul curriculum, right? You don't want to ever do it for them. The healing ends up at the edge of their field and they can accept it and say yes to it. And then you've just given them a huge gift because you've unlocked a piece of their puzzle for them if they claim it. They still have to claim it. It's just fun because now we can be thinking in terms of timelines, you know, and how we can, for our own soul's evolution, that's why a lot of past lives are coming up for us now, like, because we're reintegrating pieces from other lifetimes that we didn't resolve them because we didn't have the soul wisdom to resolve it. We didn't, we couldn't accept it. We didn't understand it. But now from this new soul wisdom, you know, that's why sometimes these past lives are coming back because you can reclaim your energy from that. You can reclaim that peace and come into unity and wholeness with that lifetime. You can come into unity and wholeness with your child, with how you acted previously. So let's talk about how you would access that. Akashic record, meditation, drumming. I've done tons of those. Each of them has their own experience, which I love that you have actually kind of in your book gave many different options how you can connect. And I wanted to first start with the Akashic Records, if you could explain that and how you might change your book of fate to your book of destiny. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, there's lots of ways to access the Akashic Records. And my contributor to that book, uh, Lisa Barnett, I brought her in for her wisdom on, she trains people how to access it. So she's a wonderful resource and you can find that in the book. You know, all of us can access it. It's just sort of feeling into the moment when stuff's coming up for you in your life and you feel really triggered by something, but there's not anything explainable in your current life that you could go, oh, that's what that is. You're like, I've never had this happen. I don't know why I'm so triggered by this thing. My whole life I've been so upset by it. That might be a past life. And so one of the things you can do is tune into that energy. And then you can just with your awareness say, I would like to ask the keepers of the Akashic records to open my records and to support me in locating 
where this wound started because we want to find the original wound like where did the pattern begin where did the wound start when when was the experience in any lifetime where that got kicked off and you can ask you can say show me where that is and you can do that in a meditation yourself right it's helpful to have somebody guide you in it just because sometimes we don't believe our own visions you know like we think we're full of it but actually this is really powerful you can traverse that and then feel within yourself like what was the message that i was telling myself in that time and then you can heal it and in the moment of you healing that it heals in the akashic records it's sort of like your soul's curriculum it gets updated that you resolved that you figured out that piece and here's also where you could meet with your spirit guides or learn who your spiritual guidance is coming from and you have a special spirit guide yeah, the White Eagle is, a, is an ascended master of a rainbow light awakening of human consciousness. I did not know all that until after I was about a week away from publishing the book. Okay, so I had gotten messages everywhere along the way. But you know how you get a message or a download or a vision or, and then you go, oh, that's so cool. And then you just like put it in a journal and then forget it. Yeah. So you didn't realize the significance. You just thought no. it was cool. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. Like I had this vision in the bathtub one time I was um, taking a bath and I was doing uh, Sandra Ingerman has beautiful shamanic drum journeys. So you can take and go meditate. I, I see you guys nodding. I love her journeys. And at the end of it, I was so zoned out. I was just blissed out. I was so open. I started getting this like vision of this like telescope or something like periscope or something like that, where it's like, it's just opening and opening and opening until it goes right in front of my face. And then it was this Indian chief head inside of the circle. And he looked at me and he said, open the sun in their hearts. And then he started leaving. And I was like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> and who are you? So okay. I, I had an early, an early experience of that. And so I didn't really know. I just have these moments of that. Then I, I wanted to reconnect with my Cherokee ancestry because another aspect of the second wave is a lot of us have in our roots, we have indigenous roots somewhere back there or people that celebrated earth wisdom somewhere in our roots like Celtic wisdom or Native American or something like that. So I wanted to find my connection to my Cherokee lineage and I couldn't really find it in the third dimension. So I really wanted to connect. I wanted to find a shaman to help me. And uh, so I went to Cherokee Village and the first time I went, I got like nowhere. But two years later, because I was asking everybody, nobody would connect me to anything. They're just like, yeah, I heard crazy white woman. You know? like, yeah, right. <laughs> so a couple of years later, I went and my boys were with me. And I think by now I was so desperate that they took pity on me and they're like, connected me. Fine. This guy, Bruce, he was working one of the demonstrations and he was only there for like uh, the day, of course. He doesn't normally, he didn't normally wasn't there, but he came for the day. <laughs> so I was talking to him and he said, yeah, I can help you. He said, I'll talk to you in the parking lot in about 15 minutes. I was like, okay. So I start walking onto the parking lot with my boys and all of a sudden I feel this like softball size energy, like just like, like it was flung through the back of my head at where my head meets my neck. I looked it up later. It's the mouth of God. It's like where your ancestors can enter your energy field and merge with you or support you somehow. So this energy came in and I, all of a sudden I was so expanded. I was dizzy. I had to sit down. I'm like my boys, I'm like, I've got to sit. I don't know what just happened. Maybe like some kind of blood burst in my head or something. I don't, right. And I just like, and I was seeing the trees breathe and like, that started my journey of working with this medicine man from the trail of tears who was in my being 
in my, and they just like in my consciousness and my being psychics started telling me, Oh, I see this native American man standing behind you. And he's just got his arms crossed and he's just saying too many thinking, too many thinking. Like he's just like, <laughs> Hey, just to, just for the synchronicity, Mandy and I have children who they all went to Cherokee trail high school and the, the trail of tears goes right through where the high school is. There's a lot of pain there, and I felt all that pain. My little one sees the Indians, and then they just found a thousand-year-old uh, bones right by our house. I got to tell you, as soon as that happened, I started this journey where I just felt so much pain. Hard to explain how painful it was to feel that, and I felt it for years. Like, anytime I would think about that experience, anytime yeah. I would think about him or the Trail of Tears or any of that, yeah. I would just, like, literally burst into tears. So it's been a while, it's been a lot of work healing that aspect. I can relate to that. I can't even really have a full conversation without crying when I talk about my ancestors. It is within me. You can feel it's a part of you. You feel that in your blood. And actually I went to the Cherokee Museum and I talked to this young man who had been in Oklahoma. So that means he was part of the tribe that went on the Trail of Tears to Oklahoma, right? He was in Cherokee though, working at the museum. And I brought my picture of like my great, great grandmother. And I was like, look here, here's a picture. You know, I'm just trying to find a connection. I like some help. And he looked, it was almost like, I, I see it now. And it's like the whole ancestry is looking through him to me and saying, you left the people. So the people left you. Oh, yeah. Oh, so hard. I have a similar story. So I have a shaman who in my tree from the late 1600s, but he was a First Nation out of Canada. And so this is, I'm from Louisiana, so this is the Cajun people line, right? This is the Cajuns. He is known famously as the apostate who converted to Christianity. It's just was, really painful. That's what I was gonna say. For people that are listening to this, they might think, well, then why in the hell would I wanna go back into my lineage? You just talked about how it affected you for two years. Shanna says she's crying all the time. You do say in your book, and this is a perfect time to ask, that being triggered is a good thing. In your book, you're talking about looking back into your childhood. So why is being triggered and this pain that you guys went through for your ancestors a good thing? Well, I got to tell you that um, I've even done ceremonies. I've done ayahuasca ceremonies where in the middle of the ceremony, I opened up and I said, okay, I allow my vessel to be used for healing from my ancestors. So if you have anything you need to forgive, because once you're not in a body, you can't forgive it. You can only forgive it in a body. So here's the benefit of doing it is that even though I spent a good amount of time over the bucket puking and like totally shaking, trembling for like over an hour or however long it took, as I whoosh this energy through my field, you know, of all the ancestors forgiving stuff, that liberates me. They're actually liberating me by doing their part and forgiving it through my vessel that I've given them access to. They are forgiving it so I can be free. The more I'm free of the conditioning and all the things that yeah. got created in their lifetime that no longer apply to me today, it doesn't apply to me, but it does because I've inherited it. I can claim the gifts too. And I can claim their love is so palpable now. That makes me want to cry because like, I, I feel them at my back. Like they are like so present with me. And so yeah. like, we love you. You're our hope. Oh. You know, like you are the one who came to change it. And we love yeah. you so much. Thank you for doing the work. Yeah. Oh, because this I is about saving the planet. I mean, this is about saving the planet. 
we have to take responsibility because we we want this planet we want humanity to survive and we're on the verge of the sixth extinction and if we don't want to die as humanity we have to claim responsibility and step forward into it you know it's like I don't know, Shanna, but for me, it's been such a beautiful journey. Like, it's giving been my the most vessel, vital. It's like powerful. I feel it my is. ancestors. I feel their wisdom. They're always helping mm -hmm. me. I feel loved. I feel supported. I feel held. In and so what? I had to puke in a bucket for a little while. I had to like <laughs> shake and tremble for a little while. I cry every so often. It's painful. But like, this is the beautiful thing: is we're healing human history. We're healing it so we can move forward. It's so true. It's so true. To, to acknowledge the good and the bad brings so much purpose into their lives and my life. And just to know what they've gone through, to appreciate what you have today, even just that simple fact. And also to know that if one of them would have done anything differently, you may not even exist. It was all very purposeful. And so just connecting with that gives you so much purpose. And like you said, you're healing the past, the present and the future because it stops with you. That's right. And our chill, we set our children free. And as mothers, what do we want more than anything? We want our children to be free. Yeah. You know, this wasn't part of my plan to talk about today, but when something's on my heart, I say it. So thank you. Thank you for this message today because I, I tend to really beat myself up about my addiction and how much I was in my alcoholism when I had my son and how I wasn't present for him. You know, I wasn't awakened when he was growing up. I was very much asleep. I was all ego. And so you have just given me hope and I've seen it through him already that even though he's older, by me going back and healing and changing these patterns that I can still heal that with him right now here on earth next to me at age 21. Absolutely. And I have a son who's 21 as well. And mm -hmm. he's a badass. So I want to say, this is for all the moms out there who are feeling this, this mother guilt, you know, listen, like your son, your child, your daughter chose you to be their mother. You are worthy because you were chosen. You don't have to earn that. You already are that. They knew exactly what they were choosing when they chose to love you and choose to be born through you. They knew what they were doing. So it's part of like how their soul's curriculum, like what it is they came to work through for their soul's journey, their overall soul's journey. Maybe they needed to work through um, addiction patterns themselves and really come into that teaching for their own embodiment, right? And so never discount the brilliance of your child the brilliant soul that you gave birth to, that soul is wise and ancient, just like you are, and they have soul guides, and they came in to do that work. And so we don't have to feel guilty about it, but we can help. We can help, and all the work that we do to heal it in ourselves actually heals our children too, if they claim yeah. the healing. And I have so seen that with him. He has claimed it, and he is in it with me and I didn't have to like tell him to go do this and this. I just did it and naturally he claimed it and started just flourishing into this, the most beautiful spiritual soul. So you're right, thank you. My ancestor came through generations to grab me and be like, hey, listen lady, we need some healing. But yours went a little different. So you talked about the Akashic records and the drumming. I also went into 
touch base with the healing method that you use, the rainbow light and bringing your clients to the light lagoon. Yeah, absolutely. The way that that unfolded was I was led to study energy healing from the Four Winds Light Body School. So my Cherokee ancestors connected me to that training through one of my friends who said, hey, I saw this on something. I think you might be interested. It's a Cherokee's Path of Fire. The Caro people, their medicine, which is derived from this Four Winds, is Path of Fire. So I started training in in this methodology and I started learning. And then I went on a sacred journey to Peru. Uh, I went on two of them. But on the second journey I went, it was to Ausangate, the holy mountain, which is a big deal. And at the top, they have this lagoon. It's a rainbow light lagoon. It's a rainbow lagoon. It's like 16,500 feet up in the mountain. And it's very sacred land. It's very sacred space. And people pray and the people put so much love and so much dedication and so much gratitude into that mm-hmm. mountain and that mountain spirit. And they, every day they work with it and they say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So there's all this gratitude that's just poured in to this mountain and this rainbow lagoon. So there's a rainbow keeper, an energetic being that guards that space. When I went up there, I was sort of teased by Alberto Fialdo. He was like, I don't know if you should go up there because if you don't make it all the way, then everybody else has to turn around and you know, you're getting a little older and you've had a little trouble and all this kind of stuff. And we were supposed to leave in the morning and I was terrified. I was like, man, maybe I can't make it. But I knew in my heart I had to go. So I took the courageous leap of faith and I went and I got all the way to the top. And I just had such a profound connection with this rainbow keeper. I was like saying a song. I just felt from my heart, like it's, you know, it's 16,500 feet. You can't even breathe, you know, but I'm singing a song and I'm just like connecting from my heart. And then the next day, as we were closing, the Carol um, shamans that were guiding us, they were doing some kind of prayer ceremony and they said something about me. They pointed at me and they said something. And I didn't know what they said because I can't understand the language. And then I said, what did they say about me? And she looked at me and she says, well, they think you're the rainbow keeper. (laughs) I was like, what? Uh, So after that experience, I started channeling rainbow light in all my healings. It just started happening. I mean, I just go with it. You know, I don't think any of us really knows for certain anything. It's not like God comes down from the clouds and says, hey, you're the rainbow keeper. But, and then I just started doing it and it's been powerful for people. Yeah, it's powerful for me to experience it. And people say it's very powerful to receive. Do you only do this in person or do you offer services like this online on Zoom? do um, online series over Zoom. Like I just started a series I was inspired to start called Liberation because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's a whole lot of patterns that run through the collective that we could all be served to be liberated from, like external control, for example, things like that. We don't need those anymore. The rainbow light comes in those series. So I do some channeling and then we talk and then we do the healing and we bring the rainbow light down through that too. You know, you mentioned a couple of other healings in your book that I was interested in talking about. And one was by... A friend of yours, Gary Stewart, he does constellation healing. Yeah, that constellation healing is really actually really powerful because they actually are for family ancestral healing. So what happens in as a group situation, so it doesn't matter. You don't have to go with your family. You go with whoever, right? It could be of 30 people that are total strangers in a room. One person has a constellation they're going to do, and they have a challenge they're working on, like prosperity or something like that. And then the people in the room get to play like their mother figure or their father figure or this other relative or whatever and they step into the center of the room and so it's like archetypal energies and like embodiment of those archetypal energies that we all have and so as this person's getting healed everybody else is feeling it like you could have a profound healing just tuning into this person's healing 
And then that, that story is yours too, because we all share stories. All the three of us share a common story. Like we mm -hmm. have different details, but the journey is very similar. The moments, the energies, right? And so that's what constellation is really for, is for that ancestral healing. You also talk about autonomic writings. Yeah, yeah. So my friend Debbie Lynn Grace, she actually, she's a beautiful spiritual mentor all in her own right. If you're having a challenge with somebody, like I was having a big challenge with my mom at the time. I'm still kind of in the middle of it, but you know, at the time it was very thick and heavy for me. So she was helping me to cope with my thick heaviness. She taught me how to just write down the question from myself to my mother's higher self, and then okay. actually like change chairs and become like a conduit of my mother's energy and then write the answer and then change chairs and go back into my chair and be me and then look at the answer. So you're doing a soul to soul conversation. Yeah. It's a soul to soul conversation because the person's not in the room, right? But you're talking mm -hmm. with them and they're working on their soul's curriculum. So everybody has this idea that like, oh, well, souls, they're just like so wise and say, so, oh, everything I've figured out. Well, there's actually a layer in between that mm -hmm. is working on soul's curriculum. It's working on lessons. So it's in the thick of its own stuff. I cannot wait to try both of those, the constellation healing. I can't wait to learn more about them. They sound absolutely fascinating. All these modalities. I just tell people, follow your heart. Like whenever you get the invitation, say yes to it. Like if you feel resistant to something that's being offered to you, you need to do it because that will just help you to release another layer of your personality self, another layer of your crust. I like to call it the crust. So you can be more authentic in yourself. And like all this yeah. stuff we're talking about, right, is to be more free. Yeah. You know, it's funny because that word crust kept sticking out to me. Two things that I was like, I have to bring them up because they're funny, but they also have such a powerful meaning was the inner farts and human crust. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it because they were both awesome chapters in your book. What is human crust? What are inner farts? Oh, human crust is like, well, we all feel it. So... When you know when you get like that weird feeling like you just got like exposed for something, that's the ego, right? And so that's our crust. It's our crust around the heart, our layers of defense, our you know, it's like when we're in the womb and we're forming, we we already start to develop crust of our personality inside our mother's womb because it's sort of like programming. So like, hey, this is the world you're entering you know, so beware, like this is all the information you need in order to survive. But, and so it's there to help us. It's also there to initiate our process of soul discovery. So that crust is not bad. It's just like the stuff that you get to work through because you decided to work through it as part of your soul's curriculum, but you can feel it. And the more people close their hearts down and protect and guard, the thicker that crust gets until they can't even like feel their own emotions. And like how many people in the world right now they, they don't even know how they feel. They're like, I don't know. I just feel numb. Well, it's because they've got so much crust there. So this work is to like reduce the crust so you can feel your heart again. And the inner fart is the feeling when you release a layer of that crust. <laughs> so when you release a layer of that egoic crust, like it feels like you farted, <laughs> except it's inside. It's like, you know, the embarrassment, the shame, the, the awkwardness that's yes. like inside. You know, sometimes us humans need things broken down real simple with words like inner farts and crust. And I want to leave our listeners with this, what you wrote. The solution is to liberate yourself through understanding and forgiveness and become an artist of your own epigenetics. You may have inherited traumas and patterns of suffering in the cells of your body 
but guess what? As you bring divinity into your cellular structures, you can become the artist of your own epigenetics. You get to set a new vision for yourself and your children from that place of embodied divinity. How cool is that? That and is that's super cool. Thank you for that. Thank you for this book. I mean, really your book inspired me. So many people have been asking me, can you help me through my ancestry? And I've helped probably maybe about 20 people, you know, help build their tree and connect, but I've never actually like put together like a program or a class or, or anything. And I just, I sat with the intention to connect with my ancestor who was the shaman. And I came up with just all kinds of amazing stuff. And so thank you for inspiring me to continue on my ancestral journey to help others now. I really appreciate that. You just are an abundance of amazing wisdom and experiences. Where can our listeners find you? Can you give a shout out to your podcast and your website? Yeah. So the podcast is Soul Nectar Show and the website is soulnectar.show. So S-O-U-L-N-E-C-T-A-R dot show. You'll find all the episodes there. It's on iTunes as well and all that. And then my website is carriehummingbird.com and that's K-E-R-R-I hummingbird dot com and everything is up there you know events and programs and classes stuff fantastic and now it's time for break that shit down break that shit down girl this is for all the moms out there who feel like you really screwed up that you just really like damn, I wish I'd have known all this before. And then you're going to use all of this as a way to judge yourself for your kids being screwed up right now or yourself or anything like that. Just let that shit go. Mothers have the most powerful love. It's called agape love. We have the potential to experience agape love, which is a gift. That's for mothers. A lot of people can experience a lot of things that they think feel like agape love. Your mom, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That is a gift. And When you heal yourself, you can fully express that love in such a beautiful way. And I believe it's the mothers healing themselves that are going to change this planet because we got so much love. It's so powerful and bountiful. So that's my message is heal yourself. Don't focus on the shit. Just heal it. Feel it to heal it and move forward. Thank you so much, Carrie. You are such a beautiful soul. Thank you for this well-written book. It has so much awesome stuff in it. Thank you for it. Thank you so much, Mandy. Thank Thank you, you. Shanna. Love you all. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.